Welcome to Faith FM. You are listening to Faith FM. <laughs> and you are tuned in to <laughs> The Marriage Project with Chapo. And Bethany. And what do we do? We talk about the Bible and wisdom from it and how it applies to real life in your marriage. Yeah, but that's not the catchphrase. What's the catchphrase? The catchphrase, I said it the wrong way around, <laughs> is we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how it translates into real oh, life. Oh, that's it. Is that better? Biblical wisdom for marriage oh. and how it translates into real life because marriage is a real life thing. Feeling a bit rusty. Here I am. Marriage is a real life thing. And we're still married, guys. If, in case you're wondering, there's no changes there. Um, we're still showing up. We're still married. We still love each other. I don't and think we hope that you worried. still love each other. I don't know. You just, you just got to check in every now and again. Um, <laughs> so today we're talking about growing love through parenthood. And okay. if you don't have any kids, this could be like a learning lesson for you if that's part of your future ideas. And if you do have kids, it's never too late to think about how we can do things and how we can do things well. Um, in fact, I wish that you and I had more conversations about what life would be like as parents before we had kids, do you reckon? Oh, yeah. There's so many. We didn't even talk about, like, when you were a kid, did you do this? Like, and it would have been, like, so much better to have thought about those things before we had a literal real-life child in our arms. But we didn't talk much about having kids at all. They just kind of happened. Yeah, sometimes kids happen to you, and sometimes you really struggle, and kids aren't a part of your future, and that's a really heartbreaking thing. So I just want to acknowledge that as well. And I don't believe in any way that God is responsible for the pain and the struggle that you go through in your life as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Okay. So. So what are we covering? We're covering the challenges of becoming parents, what makes a strong parenting relationship, and also what the Bible says about parenting. Mm. Now, we've been parents for eight years now. Shivers. Yeah. Our oldest little girl turned eight this year. And I keep accidentally saying that she's seven and she keeps getting really offended. (laughs) Sorry, little darling. Um, She's like, Mum, I'm eight years old now. She's a serious grown-up. Yeah. 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 And full of sass. She's the best. So, So, look, it would be foolish to assume that the the massive event of having a child and bringing a little baby home and having to look after it and keep it alive isn't going to have some kind of impact on your marriage. Mm. Can you remember bringing Charlotte home from the hospital? It was terrifying. It was so terrifying. I remember you, like, drive the slowest that I've ever seen you drive in your whole life. Yep. And, um, Hunched I- up over the steering wheel, <laughs> death glaring anyone who got too close. <laughs> and I can just remember, like, walking out of the hospital and just being like, they're letting me walk past the front desk. They're letting me leave. They're not. They're not stopping me from leaving. And I'm. I'm taking this kid with me. And nobody gave me an instruction book. Uh, okay, looks like we're doing this. Like it just felt really crazy that that I was allowed to leave with this baby, and it just I'd just been thrown in the absolute deep end. Yeah, <laughs> which was so crazy. And then uh, I remember when we found out that we were pregnant with our second daughter Zoe. We like one of the things that I really struggled with is I didn't know if I had any more love to give. Mm. I, I loved Charlotte so much, and I, I was just like, how do I divide that love into someone else? Like, I just I don't think I could love anyone else because I've already got this amazing daughter. But it just works out. Yeah, my nanny said to me, every baby brings its own love, 
And I believe that, like, each new baby grows a part of your heart so that you can have more love and that you can do more. And I guess that's the beauty of being a human being is that we stretch and we grow and we are phenomenal beings that God created us to be, which is very cool. Um, And, you know, love isn't for rationing. There's God wants us to have abundant amounts of love and to circulate abundant amounts of love and not keep it small and to ourselves yeah. as well. Yeah. So becoming a new parent is really challenging. And I want to acknowledge that. And if you have a new baby, it's, it's a really tough time. And I can remember all those and not only just the first one, but every single time you have a new baby in the house, it is huge. It's mm-hmm. life changing. But that first one really transitions you from a couple into parents, and that's really huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, research that John and Julie Gottman did together um, from a project that they called Bringing Baby Home, and if you want to do it, you can actually, it's a course that you can do with your spouse that you can look up and you can do an online course of Bringing Baby Home. It's a videos you can watch and some workbooks oh, and right. stuff like so that. So, it'd be something cool to do, like, in the, in the lead up to... Yeah, like so when you're doing child. when you're doing your birth classes and when yeah. you're doing your parental courses and going to the hospital and learning about all the new stuff and shopping for cots, think about the bringing baby home program it's because it's such really a cool great idea. idea. Though, because you have your birthing classes, which is all about how to push and how to breastfeed and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing in those classes that say how to love each other. Well, if you're married, you know, if you're with a partner after you come home with a baby and, you know, like you're kind of left on your own to figure that stuff out by yourself. That's right. So, and this is a cool option. So, what's it called again? It's called it's Bringing called Baby Bringing Home. Bringing Baby Home by John Gottman, John and Julie Gottman. So, you can just go like that. Google that. Yep. Yeah, just Google that um, on the Gottman website. They've got a lot of really great resources and it's a course that you can do. And it showed when they were doing the research for Bringing Baby Home that two-thirds, almost two-thirds of couples reported a decline in relationship satisfaction after having a baby. Okay, two-thirds. I'm not surprised. Yep. Are you surprised? Well, no, because... But well, hang on. Let, can you define relationship satisfaction for me? So, Like, they just didn't feel like their relationship was as good as it was before. Okay. That they weren't as happy in their relationship together. They didn't connect together well anymore. That they didn't love each other well anymore. And that this baby had become, I guess, a... a a bump in the road for the relationship that they once had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's not surprising. I think we've certainly experienced that. Yeah. Um, I don't know many people that haven't. So, maybe I'm actually surprised that it's only two-thirds yeah. and, and not three-quarters or yeah. six-eighths or whatever. <laughs> so, and we'll talk about the other third of couples, the ones who do well. Yeah. Um, Hang on. Three-quarters and six-eighths is the same thing. I don't know, man. I'm bad at maths. It's not fraction Seven time eights. here. It's not fraction time here on the marriage project. If you came here with your calculators and your maths books, to critique you're, us. You're, you're, in, you're the in the wrong right place. Yeah, in the- <laughs> well, you're in the right place for critiquing. That's right. Yeah, but yeah. in the wrong place for learning about <laughs> maths. Um, so yeah, two thirds of couples reported a decline in relationship satisfaction. One third said that it's okay. It's been hard, but it's okay. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And we'll look at what the ones who did well did. And that's oh, what John okay. and Julie Gottman did as well. Yeah. Um, cool. but so there's a lot that changes when you have a baby. One of the big things is that I mentioned earlier is that you change from being a couple to being parents. You yeah. change from being, um, a couple without kids to a different kind of of family. And I'm not going to say that you go, that you become a family when you have a child because yeah. I believe that you become a family when you get married. I believe that too. Yeah. 
and I believe that that's what the Bible teaches as well. So, but you do change from being a husband and wife without kids to a husband and wife with kids. You become parents and parent is a new label and a new identity and a new role. I remember it was probably six months into having Charlotte when I really, it really dawned on me that I was now a parent. Mm. Like I wasn't just a guy with a kid. Yeah, you weren't like a cool guy anymore. You're a dad guy now. <laughs> dad guy. But do you know what I mean? Like yeah. particularly when you're young and it's just yeah. like, oh, we've, we've got a kid now and then it, it really hit you like, oh, hang on a minute. I'm a parent. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a parent. I'm just me. I'm still me. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes you lose a sense of yourself when you've got this new role to to figure out and to search about yourself. And that's and massive when you're the primary caregiver for a child as well. Yeah. So, like, if you're the stay-at-home parent, that yeah. you do lose a lot of your own identity, and that's been written about extensively. Mm, which I think is one of the factors contributing to postnatal depression as well, is that identity crisis mixed with all of the hormones, mixed with the lack of support in mothers these days. It's, yeah. it's a really tough time. Yeah, but, you know, we've gone from having a literal village community that would help raise a child to an online community of people who critique the way that you parent. <laughs> yes, and all with <laughs> conflicting ideas of whose is better than the other, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, yeah. With a, each with a collection of trolls to go along with it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, identity changes, that's one. And, and that's the other thing, oh, sorry, I just because we brought up postnatal depression there, um, if you are in a new parent situation, even within the first... 12 months of having a new baby at home, just keep an, an eye out for, in your partner, both partners, those signs of anxiety and depression and seek support and help. And go, a GP is a great place to start. There's Beyond Blue and there's a few places that you can look up online as well. Panda as well, yep. postnatal anxiety and depression. Um, get support for that because it's really important to catch it as soon as you can. Absolutely. anxiety and depression, yeah. postnatal. For mums and dads. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's just it's relevant for both. Yeah. Um, and I can almost seem almost shameful or embarrassing for a guy to have that because, oh, postnatal depression, that's for the women. You know, we shouldn't experience that. But there's a lot going on and yeah. there's a lot of changes and it can actually dredge up a lot of past insecurities and feelings about your own childhood and stuff like that that all comes to the surface when you have a baby. So yeah, yeah, and it's a huge transition and any transition causes stress and stress can lead to anxiety and depression. So really important to note that that's something that you might need to assess in your life. Yep. And it's so, okay to ask for help. It is. Yeah. yeah. So look, we've got a few other things that we want to talk about that are specific challenges that come across, you know, your path when you become here's, new parents. Here's one. Your parents become grandparents. Yeah. That's and that's one. a pretty big deal as well. Mm. Um, and then they also have the right to be a grandparent to your child. And then there's all levels of conflict that come in with the way that I did it, what was good enough for me and the way that you should be doing it and the way that um, is the better way to do it. And that can be really challenging. There's a lot of boundaries and that a new couple has yeah. to um, set up with their parents yep. around how they want to raise their child. Yeah. yeah. So there's more things we need to talk about, but before we go any further, we should take a break. Oh, yep. So uh, we'll be back with you very soon. What a wondrous love is this, oh my soul, oh my soul. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. What a wondrous love is this, that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. What a wondrous love 
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. And we're talking today about parenthood and how that changes your relationship and how to grow together and love one another. Yeah, and it's important to mention that I guess part of the context is that from the research that you've looked up, there's a, what was it, two out of every three couples yep. that, that bring a, a baby home experience a decline in marriage satisfaction. That's right. So, we were talking about that research there that was from the Gottman Institute that bringing a baby home makes two out of three couples feel dissatisfied with their relationship or more of a decline in the way that their relationship has changed. Yep. So, yeah. we talked about the identity changes yep. and how that's a big one. You go from being just you and me to mum and dad and co-parents and your your parents, if you've got parents, become grandparents. And then there's a whole range of stuff that goes on there. And um, parenting is relentless. Like, you don't get any breaks in the night or the daytime from the responsibility of that. Oh, it's Which yeah. is huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's the, you don't get to sort of take a break from being a parent. You don't get to be like, and five o'clock, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even bedtime, like, doesn't always work out, does it? Yeah. <laughs> you don't get no. to be like, and I'm done. <laughs> Oh, see, the other thing is that your values change as well. 
So once you have a child in the home, what is meaningful to you as a person can change as well. What you value, what you think is important, what do you think has meaning in the world and in your life can really change. Yeah, definitely. Like I I remember, um, you know, before having kids, it was great to be able to carve out some personal time, you know, Mm. and take a break from things and have personal time. But now it's trying to carve out time for family. As it, do you know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And although it's still important to, you know, put your life preserver on first, that type of mentality and care for yourself and do self-care, um, it's definitely became a, a different scenario where, whereas, hey, I was trying to take a bit of time off work so I could do, have some me time, whereas now it's, I'm trying to take a bit of time off work so I can invest in my kids so mm. I can, I can, you know, make some family memories. It definitely changes your, your, your values, what's mm. important, what matters. What you spend your money on. Yeah. Yeah. And there can be conflict over that, especially if you've had separate finances, if you've had, um, you've gone from two incomes to one income during that, um, what am I saying? Maternity leave period as well. We did that and that was really tough. It stings. It does to take away that, um, that portion of your wages. Yep. Um, no Thai food when you go down to one income. (laughs) Thai food? Yeah. Like, there's less eating out, is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There's less luxury (laughs) when you have less income. Yeah. Yeah, because kids are expansive. Yeah. And um, they use a lot of um, nappies when they're real little. It's gross. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and as they grow, their needs grow as well with them. So they they are. They do cost you a lot. And it's good to, you know, the Bible says to count the cost of something before we enter into it. And so it's a really great idea to think about, well, how much is this going to cost me? And am I willing to commit to that as yeah. well? The, look, the reality is, though, like for your first baby, there's a lot of costs that you you just have no idea about. Like remember, our, how much was our first pram? Like, um, uh, it think, was several hundred dollars, but it was. But if we'd bought it here, it would have been like two thousand dollars or yeah. something like that. And I was thinking, I oh, needed to buy a pram. pram. What's that going to cost? Probably fifty bucks. Like <laughs> I was thinking, like just you know, like surely it couldn't be more than fifty bucks. It's a couple of wheels and some plastic. <laughs> but I knew that we were going to have um, more than one child, and so I wanted to get a tandem pram. Yeah, um, one that could be a single and a double. And um, I wanted it to last through our child-rearing years, which it did. Um, but Pop I knew that that would be um, a big initial outlay. And I can just remember having tears over this pram and you just going, what? How is it more than $50? And it was just like, and then I was showing you like online, like, this is what, how much prams are. This is how much people pay for prams. Yeah. And that I was wasn't like, even is like. Is it a pram for the queen? Like, well, what is this? <laughs> and they were only like mid-range prams. They weren't even like the luxury high-end yeah. prams as well. So it's, yeah, baby shopping's a whole other world. Yeah, They're- but that's what I'm saying. Like, there's financial <laughs> expectations that you just might not be prepared for. Like, And being on different pages about it as well. For just sure. like, you thought it was going to be this. I thought it was going to be this. How are we going to meet in the middle? How are we going to work it out? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, changes change about your relationship expectations. Changes change. Changes change. <laughs> what you expect from your partner. What you expect from them to you, like how you expect them to meet your needs. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, especially in that postpartum period, that first six weeks, it's really exhausting, especially if you're recovering from a difficult birth, if you're um, breastfeeding a child um, and establishing breastfeeding. Is, those first six weeks are crucial for recovery for your body and establishing that feeding. And that's a 24-7 job. 
that sometimes you are like, how can I squeeze in a shower, let alone sitting down on the couch, having conversations together, having a cuddle, being kind to one another. Like it's a really full-on time. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you expect from your partner and what you're able to give to your partner changes in that time as well. Yeah. 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 And that's that's with everything going well. Yeah. Let alone if there's complications. Yeah. If you have to go back to hospital, if you've got a baby in NICU, like there's a whole lot of things that can change as well. That's right. Yeah. So stress is a big one. Like there's a lot of extra stress that you don't sort of anticipate yeah. Being part of your life. Yes, because like there's like we talked about how there's just so many opinions online and so many books that you can read and so many we've lost our village but we've gained a whole lot of data and yeah. and words but we haven't actually got the support that we need. So it can be a really overwhelming time establishing your yeah. family. Yeah. yeah. And also you're exhausted because you're you're not sleeping properly, you might not be eating properly, jobs aren't getting done around the house. There's way more housework than there used to be because all of a sudden everything is covered in vomit and and food and yeah. who knows what else like. Yeah, like for example, we went from washing doing laundry once a week on a Sunday to doing laundry every day. Yeah. And if you missed a day, you were, like, paying for it the next day. That's, yep, yeah. Yep. And it hasn't stopped since. It's still at least a load a day. That's it. So our, that old washing machine has really done us well. Yeah, invest in a good washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and then that might be another one as well, like, financially, like, do we need a washing machine? No, we don't need a washing machine. And just having those conversations of financially, what's actually important. Yeah. And then your hormones can change a lot as well for the female. Like you have nine months of growing this child and increasing in hormones. Then you have, you know, 24 hours of a rapid decrease in hormones and then all those other hormones that change over time as well and body changes and identity changes that happen for the woman. I know for me it was a really hard time. I can remember in my second pregnancy just coming out of the bathroom just a blubbering mess, like I was weeping. I don't know if you remember this, but I was just like weeping and yeah, bawling my eyes out. I feel out. like it happened often, so I can't remember that specific time. <laughs> but the reason I was crying was because my belly button had started to turn inside out earlier than it did in my first pregnancy. And I thought to myself, if it's happening already, there's no chance of it ever going back to an inning again. And I just bawled my eyes out because of the significant change in my belly button. And that's just one small part of my body that was going through such dramatic changes. So that's a really big deal. And a lot of women really struggle to feel loved by their husbands and feel okay and acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. What are some other things, like the significant changes that can cause, I guess, that decline in relationship satisfaction? Um, we talked yeah. about the identity change. We talked about massive value changes. Talked about the increase in stress. You can also have differences in parenting styles as well. Okay. Um, differences in, you know, my family did this and that was normal. Well, my family did this and that was normal. So your family's weird, not my family. Okay. <laughs> or even like, I read this book and I think this is a good idea, but you didn't read the book and I'm trying to convince you that it's a good idea. We had a few of those things as well because I was far more invested in researching what on earth I was meant to do as a new parent. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that was getting on the same page can often be quite hard with your goals as a family and your parenting styles. Yeah. 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 So I guess we've, I think we've covered it pretty well. Oh, the other thing as well is there is a decline in sex and intimacy when you have a new baby in the house. Yeah, definitely. Well, obviously at first for that first six weeks. Yeah. And then on top of that, just the, you know, in the first couple of years, there's 
you're exhausted. You don't have a lot of sleep. You don't have a lot of spare time. You don't have a lot of spontaneity. Yeah. Um, and then also just you actually have to be intentional about making time for one another because it doesn't just happen automatically. Yeah. And also- like it might have been easier for it to happen automatically when it was just the two of you. Yeah. And there wasn't also someone else that was competing for attention as well. Well, that's the thing. And that's like something that you spoke about last week and we've talked about this before, but like your touch quota was full because you had a baby who was attached to you most of the time and grabbing at you and wanting to be held by you. Therefore, there wasn't any left for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even actually it was really hilarious the other day. Um, you were in the lounge room and we gave each other a hug and our three year old just started crying. It was like, Aah! because she felt like she deserved a hug from me and that daddy didn't. So that stuff, you know, it's nonverbal when they're really little, but it still happens as they yeah, grow older that's as right. well. All right. We need to take another break. Yep. So we'll be back very shortly. Looking for an easy way to share a program with a friend? Tell them about the free Faith FM app where they can easily listen to hundreds of programs and podcasts.
Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to The Marriage Project with Chapo, with Chapo and Bethany. I, I nearly said Chapany, I think. Did you? Well, yeah. Chapany is a cool hybrid name that we have yeah. sometimes. With Chapo and Bethany. And we <laughs> are talking today about the changes that take place in your marriage when you become parents. And we've been talking about some of the challenges. We've talked about the fact that it's two-thirds of couples that become parents have said that it has had a negative impact on their marriage in some way or another. And we've talked about some of the reasons that takes place. But now we're going to shift gears and we're going to focus on the one third that didn't experience, I guess, a massive decline in marriage satisfaction. And what was their secret formula? Like what worked well for these couples that managed to sort of keep their marriage really strong and functioning well through that what is often a chaotic and very brand new and terrifying time, which is becoming parents for the first time. Yeah, so um, the Gottman Institute in their research has always been really fascinated about, okay, well, the ones who don't do well versus the ones who do, let's look into how you win when you're winning. Yep. And so I think that's really great because it gives us tips that we can go, okay, well, those are things that we can strive towards. So out of the one third of couples that reported yeah, my marriage is okay. Even though we've had a baby and it's been tough, um, our marriage, the satisfaction of me and my spouse, we're still together. We're still doing great. We still love each other. It hasn't gone down. There's three things that he says that, um, are part of that relationship. The first is a strong sense of friendship. The second is healthy conflict management. And the third is that they tackle needs as a team. So the first is a strong sense of friendship. Okay. Yeah. And he talks about, Gottman talks about something called love maps. And I've talked about it here before that you can actually, um, get an app called Gottman Card Decks. And it's got those questions that you can ask your partner that, um, help you to build those love maps. And a love map is like a picture inside your head of what your partner's internal world looks like, what matters to them, what they like, what they don't like. And the more we know about them, the stronger our friendship is yeah. with our partner. And so I guess the idea there, like what makes couples that strong sense of friendship that, that carries over into their parenthood is something that they've built before the child comes home, is that's that what right. you're saying? So yeah. it's not like they're like, oh, I may just thought apart. We better try to be friends. Although that's a good thing as well. But it's saying couples that manage to transition really well without a huge decline in marriage satisfaction had already put the time in and invested into being a, a, a team, a really strong, loving friendship. Yeah. Um, by using that love map tool. Yeah. And that's something that you can do in your preparation for when you have children as well is how do we build that friendship? How do we make it stronger? How do we dig it deeper together? Yeah. And I guess if you're struggling as well, um, and let's be honest, if once you lose that um, sex intimacy and passion, which can just be having a baby can be a total fire blanket for that, um, your friendship is what you've really got to fall back on in your relationship. So if you've lost that and you're feeling like, I don't know how to connect, I don't, you know, start by carving out, you know, 15 minutes a day sitting on the couch where you say to the kids, mummy and daddy are just talking right now. They're having a cuppa together. I'll, I'll help you in a minute. Um, things like that. Things where you build friendship and, you know, you know how to be a friend. You've got friends. Mm. Don't think about how can I get my partner into bed with me? How can I get my partner to do this for me? But think about how can I be a friend? How can I know them well? How can I be kind to them? How can I learn more about them? Yeah. And that's a great place to start if you feel like, oh man, Things are pretty rough for us. Yep. Yeah. So, um, next thing you mentioned was healthy conflict management. That's right. So, the big difference that Gottman finds with conflict management is how you start 
a conversation that's based on an issue of conflict or your needs as a person. Yeah. And so many people come to their partner saying, you didn't do this and I can't believe it. Or every single time this just keeps happening. I wonder whose responsibility that is. Or if you come in attack mode to your partner, if even if you say you didn't put the lid on the tomato sauce again, it still comes off as a harsh startup for your partner. So you can punch that into Google soft startups examples and you can find different ways of understanding. But the basis of it is saying what you need, using I statements, trying not to use the word you, trying not to accuse your partner. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the way. So you come at it uh, like you're not trying to pick a fight. You're trying to actually ask for help yeah. and, get, and get your needs met. So instead of saying, oh, what would you say? Instead of saying, you never take the rubbish out, or instead of saying, you didn't take the rubbish out again, say, I'm really upset that the rubbish didn't get taken out. That's a completely different way to broach that yeah. subject. Yeah. So just thinking about how can you have a soft startup when you've got a need that you need to express to your partner. And then the last thing is tackling needs as a team. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we've have a whole show that we did about being we and not being I. B- yeah. Being a team. Being a team. Yeah. yeah. And it's such an important, your sense of we-ness as a couple is so important. And one of the big things with that that comes with parenthood is that I would just challenge you to stop keeping score. Put your scorecard down. Yep. <laughs> it's not about whose turn it is to change the nappy and who got more sleep last night or who's done more loads of dishes, but rather this is more than I can do on my own. This is huge for us. How can we fix the problems together? And still just being kind and being, yeah, just courageous to ask what you need without actually being critical and being divisive and keeping a score is going to divide you every time as a couple. Yeah. 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 And it just creates that resentment, that bitterness that God doesn't want us to have in our hearts toward our spouse. Yep. So talking about um, like, you know, having a strong friendship, what's some of the things that can help our friendship? Like once the babies actually come home. So, you know, having a good understanding of each other's love map and building that love map up before the baby comes home can put you in a good place. But once it's all, you're in full swing, like babies are crying, there's nappies to be changed, the house is a mess, like how do you still develop that friendship? Or how can you work on it at that point if you didn't put the work in earlier? Mm. Or is it too late? Oh, it is never too late. And I would say that as well. It is never too late if you want to build your love, your friendship, your intimacy as a couple. And seek out a Gottman therapist in your area if you're looking for somebody who can support you better. Um, And if you can't afford it, maybe you can talk to your pastor. Sometimes pastors have a great um, way to help you as well move forward biblically in your marriage. (laughs) And even just a third party who can just help you talk kindly to one another really helps. I think a really big one is that you can't rely on spontaneity. Oh, man, you can't. You can't get into the car spontaneously. You can't go to Coles spontaneously without a hundred things in your bag. You And if you do, you regret it. Like, you're just like, oh, my goodness, there's poo on me and I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. it's it's that extreme. <laughs> well, um, you, yeah, but when leaving the house, you used to take five minutes, it all of a sudden takes 45 minutes. That's because right. Because you've got to pack the bag and load the car and, yeah, it, it becomes a whole other thing. So Remember, how about this one? Remember, like, a spontaneous weekend away? Remember, remember that, like in the far yeah. distant future, like that is not even an option right now. 
And hasn't been for eight years for us. Yeah, yeah. Or, or hey, let's go to the movies tonight. Or, yeah. or anything like that. Hey, let's go out and have dinner somewhere. Let's, yeah. hey, let's go visit our friends. Like, so, yeah. all of that spontaneity. All the same as, like, even for your sexual intimacy, the, the spontaneity of, like, just having a, a passionate moment then leading into something else. You can't always rely on that anymore because you're exhausted and that a passion energy might not be there. Do you know what I mean? So even that side of it, just relying on, you know, your sex life to spontaneously just reinvigorate itself. You can't rely on spontaneity at all. That's right. And and a lot of couples end up with mismatched libido and all sorts of things in their sex life after having children. I know that we struggled um, to reconnect after having kids. Um, So it's really important to, to don't just rely on those spontaneous fanny into flames moment in your intimacy together, but rather, Take time out, carve time out to build it. Yeah. Little ways, um, sending each other text messages, giving each other hugs and kisses during the day, um, the way that you greet each other when you've been separated from each other for a while, yeah. the way that you help one another and do things for each other that the other person didn't expect you to do, but far out, it's nice when you do it. Yeah. Um, those sorts of things are really the things that build that relationship over time yeah. as well. And look, you might be planning time together a month in advance, you know, but at least you're planning it together. And as long as it stays in the calendar, that's okay. And it might not seem romantic or, or you know, like fun, but it's it's still important Yeah, and it's still going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And um, couple time needs to be separate from family time as well. It can't be the same mashed up time together. Yeah. Because there's real clear boundaries between work and home, but there needs to be clear boundaries again between family and couple. And that's important. That's a really good point. I want to talk about that a bit more when we come back from the break as well. Great. Our team here at Faith FM are encouraging you to stay positive and look out for others in this virus season. But maybe it's you that's in a tough spot right now due to the coronavirus. Maybe you're running low on supplies, out of work, stuck in self-quarantine, or just needing someone to chat to. We don't have any instant solutions, but there are many community services available to help. And if you don't know where to turn to, contact us on 1-800-FAITH-FM through our website, faithfm.com.au, or on Facebook, and we may be able to connect you with someone in your community who can offer support. Hi, welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapeau. We've been talking today about loving one another well and growing through having children. Mm. It's so important. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've covered a whole lot of things. We've, like, I guess the focus came on the fact that from some of the research you've done and some of your Gottman training found out that it's two out of every three couples that have a child experience a significant decline in marriage satisfaction. Um, but there are some that don't. Yeah. And looking at the things that made those couples really strong and power through that time, which is often really, really difficult. And look, if, if you have really struggled bringing a child home and your relationship has suffered, that's okay. You are normal. We are in the same boat with you. It was hard for us and, and we had a hard couple of years. Like, but, um, you can certainly get through it. And there are things you can do to strengthen your marriage both before and after you bring a baby home. Mm, absolutely. So, we're going to shift gears a bit and we're going to talk a bit more about what the Bible actually teaches us about marriage. Yeah. And from the, and how that impacts the, you know, the whole having children part and becoming parents. Absolutely. So, studies show that children who grow up in healthy, stable and loving families have a greater chance of future success. And, um, that's kind of really painful for me to say because I grew up in 
a single parent home that had domestic violence. And it was really challenging to, um, I guess you've got sort of, you're starting further back from the starting line yeah. when you're that kid. And, but at the same time, if you are married, if you have children, if you want to give your kids the best future, then loving one another well is how we set them up and give them a great head start for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're both in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, growing up in single parent homes with lots of different kinds of, um, I guess pain and trauma and struggle. Um, I would say that definitely the power of Jesus has made a huge impact on our adult lives and mm. helped us to become stronger, more uh, adjusted <laughs> and better people. But definitely if you want to give your children the best possible chance, your relationship matters. Yeah. Not just for you. And that's the thing, you know, mm. your, your relationship and your vibrancy in marriage doesn't just matter for you. It's important for your children, which is a very different message than what is sent out in, in sort of today's society. Yeah. Well, we live in a really child centric world at the moment where the child is king and the needs of child are higher than the needs of the parent. And, um, and I found that like grappling with that in my new experience in motherhood was just like, all of who I was got swallowed up in this little human being who was so small, but yet required so much. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think that we celebrate when parents sacrifice every single part of who they are for their children in our society and in our culture today. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I think so. And yeah. it's definitely like, um, look, and, I always say, whatever works for you, great, you know? Yeah. If co-sleeping works for you, then go and do it. Not that I would want to do that, but if it works for you, then great. I'm not going to criticise you. If letting your baby cry it out is something that works for you, it doesn't have to work for everyone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever works for you, if your child is healthy and safe and loved, great. Yeah. That's 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 where I sit with that sort of stuff. But it's um it's not the common rhetoric the common rhetoric is like do this and you're harming your child sacrifice everything to make sure that um y- yeah your child is is at the center of everything that happens mm, absolutely um and i'm not saying that because i hate children i absolutely <laughs> love my children they are such an important part of my world. Um, but a child's behaviour and development is directly influenced by how well their, his or her family functions. And children are watching the parent relationship and they are learning from it. And it's so important that we're not just, um, that we're not having um, abuse and violence and ongoing conflict in our relationships. And also that we're not just not talking to each other and shutting each other out and staying together for the kids because kids notice that too, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Look, I'm going to read a verse here. Um, it's Psalm 127 and verse 3. And it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I just find that funny, the fruit of the womb. But you it's, think it's, it's funny when it says fruit of the womb? You think it sounds funny? Yeah, womb yeah. fruit. It's, it is funny. Yeah. yeah. But it's, the idea is that uh, biblically, children are considered a reward. They're a blessing. It's like God is happy and has smiled upon you. And as a couple, you've been blessed with the ability to have a child. Yeah. And that's a cool thing. Absolutely. And I want to just reiterate again that not having a child is not a curse. Of course. And that is not God withholding anything from you. Um, and I, do, I really want to make that clear as well, yeah. that even though children are seen as a blessing and part of the abundance of God, that there is most certainly for those who are in Jesus, absolute fulfillment without children as well. For sure. That parenthood isn't the goal of being a believer. Yeah. Um, so, actually, this verse in Psalm 127 reflects 
directly and brings to mind what God said to the first ever couple that lived on planet Earth, Adam and Eve, after he created them. In Genesis 1.28, it says this, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have domination over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. God created paradise, and he set in paradise two perfect people that were his glory, that were his image bearers, that he had a deep connection with. Mm. And that was how God intended humanity to be. And within that context, he said, I want to bless you. And the way that I want to bless you is that you will be fruitful, that you will multiply. And so every time you see in Scripture that idea of God's abundance, that idea of multiplying, that idea of having many children, that idea of having a lot of food, those are actually a reflection of what God originally created humanity for. And a lot of the time as an English reader, we don't pick up on those nuances in Scripture that every time God is talking about promised land, every time God is talking about abundance, every time God is talking about having full bellies and having many children, it's that idea that this is the wealth that God originally intended for humans to experience. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah cool. Which is very um, cool. So, part of the same story and being on the, the whole, you know, narrative of family in the Bible, in chapter 2, mm. verse 24, it says this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Mm. Uh, and we've talked about this before, and that's where we get the idea of leaving and cleaving, that you, you know, as married people, you leave your family of origin to an extent. doesn't mean you cut off all contact from them and, you know, distance yourself from them. That's not what the Bible is saying. But you, you, you separate yourself from your family of origin and you become a brand new family with your spouse. Which is why we said earlier that we don't believe that having children makes you a family. We believe that marriage makes you a family because that's what the Bible text talks about. And I think it's really important, and this is why we keep coming back to this part in Scripture, is that this is where you establish those deep roots of what your theology of marriage and family looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And And it's a really important part of Scripture. Yeah. And it's, it's the picture of marriage before... All of the gross stuff of this world came into and took away from marriages. It's the picture of marriage when marriage was perfect and everything was good. Before sin, before um, affairs, adultery, before work, before workaholism, before addiction, before um, any of the things that we struggle with, and before the distraction of children. Here yeah. is a picture of what it looks like to be two made one by God, which yeah. is beautiful. And and then on top of that, when the two are made one by God, then they are talked about, it's spoken about that the fruit that they produce, the, the children they produce are a blessing to that union, mm. which is the big idea. And what you said before, today's culture is very child-centric. The biblical picture of a family is not child-centric. Yeah, Like absolutely. it's not centred around the children that are produced. It's centred around the union of the man and his wife. That's right. And so that mother and father are the stable rock of the family. And yep. then out of that come the children. I guess that's a bad analogy because things don't come out of rocks, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that idea that the, the original family unit is the husband and the wife. And then from that, the produce of that is the children. The children grow from that love. Yeah. Which is really important. And, and a great mindset to have when we think about our relationship is that our children aren't the kings, but that our children grow from the love that we have That's together. It. Yeah. yeah. Look, we're going to carry this on in just a minute, but we do need to take another break. So we'll be back with you very soon here on Faith FM. You became like me. 
So I could see more like you The world as it should be The way that you created it to
is a fortress that takes away our pain And joy is ever flowing through our bones to Faith FM, you are listening to The Marriage Project with Chapo and Bethany. And this afternoon, we have been talking about the transition in a married relationship to becoming parents. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we have. And it has been a big deal. Um, So, we've been talking about how that transition into parenthood is huge for a couple. And that some research that I was looking at that the Gottman Institute came up with was that two-thirds of couples felt marital dissatisfaction after bringing home their first child. And um, we could relate to that and we wanted to talk about it. And we also wanted to talk about what the one-third did well and how that transition didn't rock them as much as it did other couples. And then we've been talking lastly about biblical wisdom for what it looks like to bring a child home to your family in the Bible. And and it was a a really important idea that the original family – became a family when Adam and Eve were united. Yeah. That's like, so, uh, which is important to understand that you become a family when you are married, not when you have a child. Often we say, oh, they're starting a family because, you know, they're looking at having children. No, you are a family when you are united in Jesus as a married couple. Now, yeah. So, does that mean like as Christians we should bring about like they're starting a family? That's what we say when people get engaged rather than <laughs> when they yeah, get married. Maybe. People be like, they're getting married because they're pregnant. They'll be really confused. <laughs> But it, it definitely flips on the head the idea, like, we're a current society where it's when you think about parenting, it's very child-centric. Like, yeah. make the child the most important thing, love the child the best, give them the whole lot. As a, And often that's to the detriment of the marriage and yeah. the detriment of your spouse. And, um, like, you are a family before you have your children. And when your children are growing and move out of home and start a family of their own, you are still a family. You are still that couple, that two became one that God created you to be. But so many couples lose themselves along the way because they've invested into their children and not their marriages. Yeah. Because they've become, instead of being a team like these successful couples that we see, they become two parties who just pass each other every now and again and check in about the day-to-day. Have you done your responsibilities? Have you done yours? Like, okay. Good night. Yeah. Um, and that's real sad. They call it two passing ships in the night. Yeah. yeah. We've only got a few moments left this afternoon with um with the listeners here. But look, I, I want to get across this idea that something that's really important for us. We don't claim to be awesome married people. Or we awesome are just pa- parents. Or awesome parents. <laughs> we, we just, we, we believe it's important and we do our best. But something that we really try to do is have our children understand that we love each other Mm -hmm. and have our children understand that mum and dad need time together. Make sure our children understand that before they existed, mum and dad loved each other first and that in a way, 
I love you in a way that I could never love my kids because you are my wife. You are my spouse. You are the one that I've been joined with and have made a covenant with and as a result had these children. But I love you more. Mm-hmm. Than them, and that can that can almost sound jolting and horrible for people to hear. How could you love your spouse more than your own children? And it's different because, like, a child is part of you, so that love for them is almost, in a way, automatic. Um, but your love for your spouse isn't automatic. Your love for your spouse, you have to keep putting wood on that fire. Yeah. You really do, and, and and I think that's that's where um, it can be really easy for children to take over because. You know, I would die for my kids. I would jump in front of a bus for them in a heartbeat to protect them. Yes. And you have that instinctually. But your spouse, you you got to keep putting wood on the fire. Yeah. It's different. It's a different co- kind of love. It comes back to the whole title of our show, The Marriage Project, mm. is it comes down to that. It's a continual work. It takes continual intention to keep it as the primary thing. In yeah. our lives. And so I want to encourage you, um, if you're listening today and if you're not in a great place, if you can relate to just the fact that having children has been a huge rift in your couple status, that you can find your way back to one another. And we've had, you know, periods of connection, periods of disconnection. It's never too late to start loving each other, to start reaching out and asking for help. Mm. And that, um, Invest in your relationship, guys. If you think that uh, it can be left by the way, make sure that you invest in your relationship because your children need you to love each other well. It teaches them what it looks like how to love. It teaches them what it looks like how to manage conflict well. And it teaches them what do they want or what do they not want for their future spouse that they what find What are they going to settle for one yeah. day based on what they've seen? This is, this is a really cool point is that your children – need you to love your spouse well. Mm. Like your children, they need it for the sake of their future relationships. They need you to make sure that your relationship is worked on and prioritized Yeah, for the sake of their future relationships. Like mm. they, they need that. They need that more than they need to be coddled. Yeah. So if you can't do it for yourself right now and you can't do it for your spouse right now, do it for your kids. And that's a great place to start as a motive to move forward if you're yeah. struggling. Yeah. yeah. But- there is certainly great days of marriage ahead after having kids. And if you're in that rough patch, it doesn't stay rough forever. We have had some of our most enjoyable and beautiful and special times as a couple yeah. in the last few years of life. And, and that's that's a strong biblical idea as well, like the idea of that for everything there is a time and there is a season. And having a newborn baby is a season. And we're not in that season anymore. All of the people in our house can go to the toilet by themselves. And all of the people in our well, house. Sort yeah, well, mostly. <laughs> yeah. And all of the people in our house can put their pants on without help. And all of the people, like, they're still learning, but it's definitely significantly different. All the people in our house can use words instead of screaming to get their needs met. That's right. Um, and even can sneak into the cupboard and steal snacks. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's only a season. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've enjoyed being with you again for another afternoon here at The Marriage Project on Faith FM. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we look forward to joining you again next week. May your marriage be blessed.